I'm Ryan Androsov. Welcome to Let's Think Digital. Today, we're joined by Megan Helstern. Megan is a facilitator and trainer with us at Think Digital and an expert in all things human-centered design. And Megan, you just got back from the Code for America Summit in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, first of all, want to hear about the trip, want to hear about some of what you took away from it. But for those who might not be familiar with the Code for America Summit, um, maybe tell us a little bit about what the summit's all about. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan, and it's great to be back and uh, see you. So Code for America, for those who are not familiar, are one of the leading organizations in the world for digital government and civic technology. They are based in the United States. They were founded by Jennifer Palka uh, quite a few years ago now. And they've done a lot of really pioneering work, uh, not only in America, but worldwide to really forward the movement of civic technology and digital government. And so Code for America Summit, as you can imagine, is their big convening where they bring together their extended family and friends, uh, you know, public servants, technologists, organizers, vendors, civic tech enthusiasts, like a very, very broad um, swath of the sort of let's call it digital government and innovation kind of ecosystem together. Uh, they come together to learn, to reignite their passion for this space, uh, to share the challenges, to share the wins. Uh, there were some awards, there was some, you know, laughs, some cries, uh, a whole bunch of just really beautiful folks coming together under this banner of civic technology and digital government. So it was two days in Washington, D.C., uh, my first time actually in uh, the capital of the United States, which was really exciting. And it was just, uh, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful experience that I'm excited to share more about. And this was your first time at the Code for America Summit as well, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I have been lucky enough. So here in Canada, we have Code for Canada. And actually, there's many of these Code for organizations all over the world. Uh, so I've attended the Code for Canada Summit. Uh, but this is my first time kind of going to the, the mothership uh, over in the United right. States. So, you know, curious why you were uh, drawn to go attend. I mean, and obviously, you know, the focus there is was inevitably a little bit on the American experience with civic technology, clearly some global applicability to it. But what really kind of drew you in to say, hey, you know, this year, I really want to be able to go attend in person? Yeah, it's a great question for sure. I mean, first off, this was their first year back at full scale since the pandemic. So there's a real feeling of it being kind of like this giant family reunion. Last year, they had a bit of a scaled back thing um, that was mostly online. But really having everybody there in person was a huge, huge draw for me. Um, I've also been really curious about expanding my networks in this space outside of Canada. I've been so lucky to do a lot of this work um, across the country here, but there's so many other great folks working, uh, you know, both just south of the border as well as globally. And so this felt like a great chance to expand those networks and get inspired as well. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but one of the big themes that um, I definitely saw at the conference was this um, sort of acknowledgement that this work is generational. It is very challenging. Um, sometimes, you know, it can lead to burnout and, um, you know, sort of there's a personal toll to, you know, toiling away uh, at what can sometimes feel like very insurmountable odds uh, when it comes to transforming these large systems. And so there was that desire, I think, to reconnect with that sense of energy and excitement 
excitement and um, passion and motivation for uh, doing this change work. And I'm happy to say that it really delivered on all of those um, desires and intentions. So I feel really lucky that I got to go and uh, happy to share some of my experiences and reflections with you all. So I'm looking forward to hearing about your experience as a Code for America. So let's have a listen and we'll bring you back at the end of the episode. Good morning. It's Megan Halstern reporting to you live from the Code for America Summit. The first time that the summit is back in person here in 2023 in Washington, D.C. It's a gray sort of uh, drizzly morning here in Washington. There's lots of buzz happening here at the Omni Shoreham Hotel. Hundreds of attendees from all over the country, all over North America, are here to nerd out on all things digital government and civic tech. The opening remarks are about to start, so I'm going to hop in, but I'll be reporting to you all throughout the conference and trying to grab some cool folks to reflect on this uh, novel and wonderful experience together. Stay tuned. It is now the first break of the Code for America Summit, and you can hear a lot of buzz behind me. There are folks scattered all over the hotel in small groups chatting with each other, lots of reunions, lots of new connections being made. For myself, I'm feeling really reignited and recharged being back together in person with my community. The themes so far that I can intuit uh, from the conference include a real focus on data, not only to inform the work that we're doing, but also to evaluate our impact and ensure that we're having the right results that we're aiming for. Also, lots of focus on talent, tech, and hiring. I'm not too surprised by that. Uh, I've been spending the last year or so actually focused on those topics, really trying to understand some of the labor issues related to uh, this digital government and civic tech uh, movement. So there's a few more panels on those throughout the next two days that I'm looking forward to catching up on. Um, Also a real focus on infrastructure, not only the software side, you know, creating amazing experiences that are digital, but also ensuring that folks have um, the access that is required to engage with those. So some initial thoughts there. Uh, Something I really appreciated that one of the speakers shared earlier is really that that we need to focus a lot of this work underneath uh, as the foundation is really this idea of a culture of caring, of caring for the people that we serve, for the people that serve within our organizations, and ultimately caring about the results and impacts that we have on um, the planet, on people, and on each other. So I thought that was a really good reminder, especially for those of us working in and around public service, of the importance of care at the heart of that. So I'm here. uh, We are waiting for lunch on day one of the Code for America 2023 Summit. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Washington, D.C. After a bit of rain in the morning, the clouds have cleared. And I'm here with Hillary Hartley, someone I have admired in the digital government and civic tech space for like a decade plus, I think now. Um, I am most familiar with Hillary's work as uh, the leader of the Ontario Digital Service uh, back in Canada. But um, there's some really cool, new, exciting stuff, I think, cooking in your life. Uh, So maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your sort of path and what you're up to. Yeah. So I'm at Code for America Summit for the first time in at least a few years for me. I can't actually remember the last time I was able to go to because I uh, was in the civic tech world. I was an early mentor of one of the Code for America uh, cohorts in one of their first years. So I've been around. 
was a Presidential Innovation Fellow, helped start 18F, and then got the opportunity to move to Toronto and uh, lead the Ontario Digital Service. So I was the Chief Digital Officer, and then we wrote an awesome law, and I became the Chief Digital and Data Officer, uh, getting to set standards and rules, which was fantastic. Um, so I've been in Ontario for the last six years. And then, about six weeks ago, I joined a nonprofit. <laughs> and um, I, am, I get to lead uh, an organization called the U.S. Digital Response, which started uh, up really as an ad hoc grassroots um, effort in March of 2020 when a lot of my former colleagues uh, in the U.S. federal government and, uh, were getting panicked phone calls. You know, just, holy crap, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage this data? How are we going to get this information out to people? What are we going to do? Everything's breaking. Um, and so they basically put out the call on social media and said, Would it, you know, you're sheltering in place. Um, you might have time on your hands. If you'd like to help us, help government, put your name in this, you know, into this form. And so now, three years later, uh, there's 8,000 people in the volunteer database. We've put a thousand of them to work over the last three years. Many of them multiple times, like a good percentage have done multiple projects. Um, some of them are working directly with uh, US Digital Response, helping us interview, helping us scope projects, helping us do some of that early discovery work. And essentially we just match really great talent to partners in need and help them get kind of rapid fire things done that help them get pointed in, in a better direction. And hopefully that becomes a flywheel for better work, hiring a team, getting you know us involved more long-term, getting other great uh, teams involved long-term, hiring a team. And so uh, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's an organization that has a, an incredible history, it was created in this very unique moment with an awesome call to action. So now it's, it's got, it's got great work under its belt, but um, there's a lot more to do, and I'm excited about that. And I have no doubt a lot more is going to happen under your <laughs> leadership, so congrats on an amazing opportunity for you. I also love that the work that you're doing is touching on one of the themes I'm already seeing in this conference, which is all about talent yes. and people. Uh, I was part of a panel at Forward 50, which is a big Canadian digital government uh, conference in November, and the panel was titled No Progress Without People. Yes. You know, the importance of labor and just having the talent and the hands we need. I'm curious, uh, what are some of the other kind of themes or trends that you are excited to hear about here at the summit? Yeah, well, for us, we've got, um, you know, brains really thinking about talent. Uh, and for me especially, um, like my my personal mission is capacity building. So what I'm trying to get people to understand is that it's not enough to just say we're going to hire 500 people and put them in government. Those 500 people are going to burn out and flame out and leave because they can't get things done. The, the ecosystem around them doesn't know how to use them, etc. So I'm very interested in what the upstream interventions that a team like mine can do and, and can the, the effect that we can have just by working a little bit further upstream to then help those teams be successful. Uh, so talent is huge. Um, we've also got a lot of people really fired up about procurement. You know, I mean, anytime you, you spend six months in a digital team, you end up talking about procurement. But right now, there does seem to just be a lot of good momentum and energy around similar to talent, how do we fix it? 
and um, <laughs> my team is laughing at me. <laughs> Just doing a little ad hoc podcast, folks. Hello, hello. Um, <laughs> um, so, but again, how do we, like, what is the upstream stuff that's going to help that work be successful? So that's really exciting. Um, and so those, that foundational stuff is so important. Um, but again, it's just showing folks that a very simple change, a very simple intervention can have an outsized effect and can set a team on a better path, which is what our rapid response stuff does so well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, for sure. And I think you're touching on another theme that I'm already hearing, even just on day one, this idea of systems change, right? And yeah. sort of how do we not only do the kind of one-off cool project here and there, but how do we actually ladder that up into sort of the overarching changes we want to see? And so maybe my last question to you is sort of, you know, let's fast forward 10, 20 years, you know, if everything goes according to plan and, you know, your wildest dreams come true, what are you hoping will look different in this ecosystem thanks to the work of your team and the folks here at the summit? Well, you know, I think teams like mine and all the public benefit companies that are trying to really do great work with government are still going to be needed because what I actually hope happens is that government figures out how to tap into all of that work and all of that talent in a better way, which means they don't have to think so hard and they don't have to work so hard uh, internally, but they've got these easy methods and all of these great advisors and colleagues and champions that have helped them figure out the right questions to ask. And so that's certainly happening and that's going to happen, that's going to continue to change over the next five to ten years. But I think what we've got an opportunity to do is to just kind of reset a bunch of stuff um, so that government actually just does function differently because of all the work that we're doing helping them ask, why is it like this? And does it have to be this way? Um, It doesn't. And in 10 years, it won't. It will be better. Thanks to the efforts of folks like us and all of the people here. Thank you so much, Hillary. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat. (laughs) I'm here with Dorothy Eng, uh, who is the Executive Director of Code for Canada, someone I've known for a long time, way back to our Civic Tech Toronto days over a decade ago, or almost a decade ago. Uh, Dorothy's also part of our Associates Network uh, with Think Digital. Uh, looks like she's had quite a day as well, and so I'm glad to catch her at the end of this uh, networking hour to see if she has any sort of reflections or first day thoughts to share with uh, folks uh, listening here at home. Yeah, day one was... Uh it was exhausting. Lots of good content. Speakers in the morning were, were great. Very inspirational. Some of my favorite lines were coming out of the uh, Code for America's uh, kind of like walkthrough of their Clear My Record um, solution and all the impact that they've done with, you know, not just governments, but like in, in like the heavy lifting of like deploying Clear My Record, but like the human impact of like actual, you know, end um, users and their families um, was super inspirational and tear jerking. There was a great panel um, talking about uh, an income tax. It's like a, a IRS tax volunteer program um, that trains up uh, high school students to be basically certified by the IRS to then file taxes for like families in their communities. And this is like, it's like a community in Philadelphia that traditionally has like, you know, low income 
uh, families, it's like low-income neighborhoods, and uh, the this program has provided not only opportunities, one for families to access, um, you know, income tax support and like filing their taxes, which at the end of the day just means more money in their pockets, like from like hard-earned money. So that's like on the, on that receiving end, but then also um, you know building the capacity of high school students to like be financially literate to like understand what um, economic success looks like when they see like oh yeah this is how this is kind of the uh, what what wealth could look like when they're filing someone's taxes um, which raises them out of like poverty and then um, yeah and then finally uh, yeah just the effect that it's had on like the whole community with like the teachers, the educators, the nonprofit um, that runs the whole program. Um, yeah, super inspirational. So it, lots of like inspiration, like we at Code for Canada, we're all about, um, you know, really trying to like find those problems, finding the people who are kind of like falling through the cracks and then um, moving into the space of like, well, what role could civic technology play in supporting those people who aren't supported by like, you know, private, public, even nonprofit sectors. So um, yeah, like we're, it's an area that we're gonna be moving into. Um, it's gonna be a bit experimental, but um, yeah, like a lot of inspiration to be found at, at, uh, at the summit, so. That's awesome. Another trend I'm seeing uh, here at the conference, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, as I feel Code for Canada was a bit of a pioneer in this, is talent uh, and sort of labor. It feels like it's sort of this thread woven throughout where we have these dreams of grand technologies and re redefining government, and yet we are struggling to find and attract and retain the people to do that work. And I think the Code for Canada, you know, sort of fellowship model was really a leading edge in that. Um, and I'm just curious, uh, have you noticed this trend around tech talent coming up? Any thoughts about that uh, in general? Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely, like, you know, we were born and bred um, out of that fellowship program. And even before that, like, we built that model off of what we learned from Code for America, right? Like, they ran their fellowship program for a number of years and other Code 4s, like Code for Australia. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we saw a lot of, um, when we talk about impact, like, we saw a lot of uh, significant impact coming out of that where, you know, not only were, like, projects started and maybe some prototypes were launched, but, like, relationships were built and there was, like, a fit between the government teams and these fellows that were coming in. And so a lot of fellows, like, over 70% of them, when we look back and did, like, a case study, 70% of them ended up moving into government after their fellowship. I think what we saw actually after that, like, fast-forwarding, like, two or three years after those results were um, synthesized, is that there's, like, a cycle now where... Uh, probably majority of that talent has now trickled back out of government. You know, maybe that could be because of, like, the natural um, tenure for, like, you know, a younger workforce is, like, three to five years, right, in, in any employer. But I also think there's, like, something to be said about... We, we have noticed, not not through formal data collection, but just, like, it, it, it's, it's exhausting, right, to be, like, constantly pushing against the bureaucracy that big governments and small governments like pose on modern you know tech talent and or digital talent and you know it is um i think i think some folks maybe they've they've left just like go recharge and i'm hoping they'll come they'll go back 
Um, but I do think, you know, there's, it just kind of uh, makes way for another wave. We're seeing another wave of, you know, kind of modern technologists that are interested to try government. And so, um, yeah, we're still like testing this hypothesis of like embedding, you know, technologists into government in different ways. We've, we've now kind of like sunsetted the formal name of the fellowship but we're still doing these like partnership projects with governments. We're just kind of like calling them something different. We're just, we actually just call them like projects now. Um, you know, seeing if it kind of attracts different kinds of folks, uh, tech talent and like, and, and what we've noticed, yeah, like it seems to attract maybe like a bit, a bit more experience, like um, maybe later career individuals who are like burnt down on their own, right? From like maybe working in the private sector and wanting to work on other impactful opportunities. So we'll kind of see how these like modifications will, will roll out in the next like, you know, three to five years. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dorothy, and uh, looking forward to seeing you around for day two. And perhaps we'll meet up when we're back in Toronto. <laughs> Not make it a couple years before that happens. <laughs> So I'm here at the end of day one of the Code for America Summit in beautiful Washington, D.C. And I've been really, really grateful to catch up with some wonderful folks who have been sort of in each other's orbits, uh, usually connected via Twitter or some type of online uh, thing. And one of those uh, is Ariel, who we were actually joking about this. We first connected like over a decade ago, basically a decade ago. We took a amazing class with Beth Novick, one of the kind of pioneers of, you know, sort of uh, collaborative government and co-design things like that especially when it comes to policy uh, and so we had taken a, a seminar together and connected and have I've been a longtime fan and admirer from a distance and it's really nice to share some uh, 3d space together uh, with you uh, so I'll give Ariel uh, a chance uh, Ariel a chance to sort of talk a little bit about what you're up to Megan it's so great to see you um, it's been a long time um, I am now at the Beck Center which is part of Georgetown University based here in Washington DC although I work and live in New York City normally. Um, I lead the Digital Benefits Network, um, which is a new professional network um, based out of the Beck Center um, that's focused on improving uh, the delivery of our public benefits, um, helping making them more human-centered. We're also really focused on issues of equity and ethics with uses of new technologies um, in helping delivery of those benefits. Um, we host a lot of free, open public events. Um, we produce a lot of research and new tools and workbooks, things like that. Um, and we also have um, a tool to help collect best practices in place from the ecosystem called the Digital Benefits Hub, uh, which launched about six months ago. Um, it is focused on the U.S. Uh, safety net, um, but there's lots of, I think, things that are very replicable into the Canadian system, and we would also really love to see things that are working well in Canada um, that we could be replicating here and elsewhere in the world. <laughs> Yeah, that's so awesome. And I'm really happy that you have this uh, crisp mission to bring together people across different jurisdictions and um, programs to collaborate. That's something I've always admired about you is that curation kind of of <laughs> projects, of people, of teams, um, whether it's the civic design uh, case study library that you worked on or the uh, Rosenfeld civic design yeah. conference that you curated and I spoke at a couple years ago. I really love your sort of eye for, you know, who's <laughs> doing great work. Um, and so I'm curious here at Code for America, have any sort of of the examples or teams stood out to you? Any reflections from uh, day one with that kind of curatorial eye of uh, what's happening in the civic tech and digital government space? I mean, I think having everyone in person is really special again, um, that it's felt like a big reunion. Um, and, you know, as much as we all can connect through Zoom and other means, um, the personal connection, the side conversations, the sitting outside on a patio, chit-chatting, um, not only furthers those 
relationships, but I think helps you think about ideas of how to expand and where else you could go and just think about new new things that you might not have time to think about every day. Um, I think we've seen some really interesting ideas shared here of like people who have been working through constraints and adversity through the pandemic, that that's still like an ongoing theme as much as, you know, here in the U.S., um, officially the public health emergency has ended. Um, but I think especially on some of the benefits delivery and in a lot of government, things aren't quote, normal, whatever that looks like um, yet. Um, I really loved the story on the main stage today um, from Syracuse, um, talking about how they have incubated um, new roles for technology um, and people who have non-technical but have career experience. Um, And actually, not only are they launching into careers in technology, they're launching into careers inside city government. Um, And I actually wasn't familiar with that work, and I was just really inspired, not only by those voices that were up in a very prominent Space for the first time, um, but also that that just seems like such a model that could help our talent issue that is like no government has enough people who know how to do this work and we need more hands um, working on these challenges. And that seemed like one of the possible ways to help us get there. So tech, talent, labor has certainly been a trend I've been sort of hearing about here at the conference. Also feels like data results showing impact yeah. seems to be another one. I'm just curious, are there any sort of themes that have stood out to you, uh, whether here at the conference or kind of in the general ecosystem of digital government and civic tech right now? Um, I mean, here in the U.S., I think we're at a really special time. The administration, the Biden administration, um, has invested um, in some very specific ways, um, both in the American Rescue Plan Act, um, but also in a lot of how they're staffing some of their internal teams and capacity um, to really help um, not only the country recover, but like really resolve on the other side and think about the hardships that people are living in day to day. It is a special moment with that. I think everyone feels a lot of time pressure and crunch around it. Um, And so I feel that urgency as a vibrancy. Um, And I think we're at a really, you know, important moment to figure out, like, what are the things that we can do um, in the time we know confirmed that this administration has left. Um, But also, I think we'll set up for, like, long-term generational change. Well, thank you so much, Ariel. This is really nice. And Yeah, likewise. So I'm here at the end of day one at this wonderful networking event at the uh, Code for America 2023 Summit. Uh, We're having some drinks. The buzz is very lively, as you can imagine, and probably here behind me. And I'm really lucky that I got to run into Amanda Venturia, uh, the leader of Code for America, the host of this amazing convening. And I thought I would just get some impressions from a really, really thoughtful digital government and civic tech uh, leader and someone who's helping shape this movement uh, worldwide and not only in the U.S. Uh, So Amanda, just curious, how's your day been? How are you feeling? Any reflections from day one to share? Yes, I am um, continued to be inspired by all the different stories that are here. Our summit, Code for America Summit, has always been about convening people who are in this work, who love doing public service, who use technology and human-centered technology specifically. And what we heard today is not just people piloting, but it's actually happening all across the country. And so um, as I look around this room and people are cheersing, I'm not just cheersing because we have so many amazing people in this room, but the collective work we're all doing is absolutely changing the relationship between government and people. And that really what makes the difference in the world. So couldn't be more excited to be here. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Amanda. You and your team are doing some really inspiring work and it's great to be here. Thanks for being here and catching me out at the bar. (laughs) 
So it is day two of the Code for America Summit in Washington, D.C. I am exhausted, but there is a whole other day ahead of me. So I am getting caffeinated, getting fueled up with some delightful pastries and catching some of the energy here in the morning before hopping into the plenary. Uh, it's another jam-packed day today uh, with some keynotes and fireside chats and like in the morning, which I'm very looking forward to. And then in the afternoon, more breakouts, more practitioners, more folks uh, from all over talking about important digital government and civic tech uh, projects that are happening. I can't wait for those. Uh, yesterday was a real mix of, you know, sort of more practical case studies and inspiring examples of the change that can happen, uh, as well as some uh, demonstrations of methods. And it's been uh, a ton of learning, a ton of nerding out. I feel like my brain is already kind of full, uh, but uh, here we go for a another day of uh, the Code for America Summit. It's been also really wonderful to catch up with different uh, folks, getting some reactions and reflections from day one, catching some of the excitement for day two. I'm also looking forward to attending the Fail Fest this evening, hosted by the Beck Center at Georgetown University. I got to go to one of those back in uh, November in Ottawa for Forward 50, which is a large digital government conference in Canada. It was a wonderful experience trying to celebrate some of those, um, you know, sort of epic fails that can often be the stepping stone towards something great. So really looking forward to it. Got to pace myself for the day ahead uh, and uh, we'll share more reflections as they uh, come together. So stay tuned. Uh, I've been really lucky at this break to catch up with two really amazing folks working uh, in the digital government and civic tech space. Uh, so I'm going to give them each an opportunity to introduce themselves, uh, and then we'll hear a little bit about what stood out at the summit so far. Uh, so maybe Karina, we'll go over to you first. Thank you so much, Megan. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Karina Ryder. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at Microsoft Research New England. Uh, I have my PhD in sociology from Queen's University. Um, in sociology, and I am currently writing a book on civic technology. Um, most of it is focused on volunteers in civic tech, but now that I'm here at Summit, one of the really interesting things is to see um, the number of government workers who are here sort of on their own initiative, um, here to sort of make connections, um, to learn things, and really you know, driven by an internal desire to make government better. Um, and it's really, I don't know, what's the right word for it? It's very encouraging. Uh, it makes me very optimistic to see that it's individual people who are not necessarily, do not necessarily have the institutional support to do this work, but really want to go out of their way to do it, to learn how to do it themselves and to learn from each other. Um, and that's really, really cool. So that's, that's what stood out to me so far. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Karina. And uh, speaking of folks who are here learning and, uh, you know, doing this work on the ground, uh, I was also really lucky to run into Natalie. So maybe, Natalie, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, how you ended up here at the summit? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm Natalie Tallis, and I'm the population health manager at a local health department in Alexandria, Virginia. And a lot of my work is working directly with residents, doing human-centered design with community partners to address health justice issues. And so coming here is so inspiring to hear from other local state government folks who have the exact same regulatory barriers I have, the same 
stuff that is often the barrier from people who have the best of intentions but run into so many roadblocks for trying to be innovative and do things easier. And so it's just so inspiring to get to not only hear their stories, but also connect with them to ask those very nitty gritty questions because so often there's a lot of hypotheticals out there. There's a lot of theory about how to do this design thinking work, but until you're actually on the ground trying to make something happen, there's so many logistical things that you would never even consider. And so it's really just amazing to hear how they've actually done it, gotten over those challenges, and how I can apply that when I go home after the summit. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself as someone who's been doing that in the ground, sort of uh, in the trenches work for almost 15 years. Uh, so we are approaching kind of the just over halfway mark of the conference. And I'm curious, what are some you know trends or themes that you've been seeing, things that you're sort of mulling over uh, that you'll take back? Maybe we'll go, Natalie, to you first uh, for any reflections. I really love that I continue to hear the theme of simplification. Right, so much, and I even heard it on a panel again today that oftentimes innovation sounds like it's adding stuff, it's adding new things. But so much of our work really is about how do we make things easier and simpler, which sometimes means taking away, right? I listened to an awesome workshop yesterday about folks from the UK talking about digital forms for an hour, and it was amazing, <laughs> right? Really about how do we make this as simple as possible for our residents to be able to actually access our services from our side, but also from our employees' side who are processing these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of forms on a daily basis. So I love that mentality of what can we take away versus just adding. One thing that has really stood out to me is the number of times, the sheer frequency of the times that people use the phrase lived experience. I don't know if I've heard it so often in 48 hours in my life. And I'm a sociologist. We talk about lived experience for a living. Um, so that's been really interesting to hear the phrase uh, repeated so often. And I think it's, um, it is also very encouraging because that's, um, it's nice to see that it's recognized that people who are suffering, who need help, um, have a form of expertise that they can bring to the table that is necessary in order to actually do something about the situation. Um, it's one thing to put together you know, your uh, personas, that's a word I've learned this weekend, personas, um, and I sort of imagine what their problems would be, but it's a very different thing to sort of talk to somebody who's been through the process, knows what the, the problems are, um, knows their struggle better than a, a designer thinking and imagining what their situation might be. Um, and, uh, you know, as someone who has been on that side receiving services, it's um, really encouraging to feel like, okay, that's being recognized and it's only going to help, you know, it's, it's only going to go in a positive direction. So that's been uh, surprising and uh, honestly very encouraging. What are you looking forward to as we, we head into the last stretch of the, the summit here? So I'm really interested and excited to talk to more people for my book. Um, I'm an ethnographer, so I'm really happy to just kind of spend time in the space, get a sense of what the vibe is, what the energy is like, um, talk to as many people as possible um, before I have to head out. So for me, I'm really excited about these lightning talks that are happening this afternoon, because sometimes even if it's not a project that you're exactly working on, it sparks something, right? It sparks something in your brain about, oh, I can apply this to this totally other different thing that I'm working on. So just having that inspiration and being able to hear a lot of different stories stories very quickly is a really unique opportunity. So I'm so glad that they're hosting that, that sort of forum here. Yeah.
That's wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for catching up and spending a bit of time with me, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm here with another one of our Think Digital associates and a longtime digital government civic tech uh, change maker, Luke Simcoe, who is actually speaking later today on a panel about uh, storytelling that I'm excited to catch. Uh, I'm curious, Luke, uh, impressions so far of the conference. How, uh, how's your experience been? Well, this is actually my first Code for America Summit, despite sort of being involved in the movement for, I guess, going on a decade. Um, and I think, like, I gather that the energy is very different in the last few years because there's a different administration, you know, in the U.S. And the takeaway that I have so far is that there's been a lot of talk, actually, about political leaders, right? People say the name Biden. People say the name Newsom um, quite a lot. And it does feel like there's a sort of different energy, a different set of possibilities when there's buy-in at the sort of, like, highest echelons of, of the political class. Um, you know, and that's not always the case. Like, in, in Canada, we have varying degrees of that, you know, across the country. And so, you know, it's a bit of a sort of a melange. But um, there is more energy here. People are excited. There seems like there's a real vision. People seem to have funding and resources and social license to, you know, pursue a lot of the initiatives that I think have been sort of in the back pocket of, of digital government people for a long time. You hear about tax automation and, you know, a lot of diversity and inclusion initiatives around hiring in the in all levels of government and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's been great. I'm really looking forward to, to speaking with people. It's been great to see some folks I haven't seen since definitely before the pandemic in person. So there's also that energy, I think, kicking around in the room right about you know people just who haven't been in the same room together uh, i've been hanging out with some folks at code for america who have worked together for three years and this is their first time meeting and so you know there's a lot going on so really excited i think for the rest of the day and uh keen to see what's next that's awesome uh, luke and something i've always admired about you is uh, sort of like me you've been in uh, many different parts adjacent to government and working in this large system. And it's really only recently that you actually kind of joined the machine proper and, and have gone uh, sort of into government. And I'm just curious if you want to talk a little bit about what you're up to, uh, you know, in that context or how, you know, events like this are feeling maybe a bit different now that you're sort of on the inside. Yeah, well, I guess like two things. Um on one hand, you know, I think there's there's all this energy, there's all this talk of progress, and I get it, right? It's a conference, you only do it once a year, you know, you need to have a certain kind of narrative, everyone's here to celebrate wins and, and whatnot, um, and I'm here for that, don't get me wrong. Um, but being inside government, I'm always cognizant of how much slower the pace of change is, you know? Um, and so that's been on my mind a little bit, like the difference between sort of the stories that you hear in a, in a context like this versus perhaps a, a slightly different conference where the theme was more like, it's a generational progress, or we moved a mountain an inch, you know, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm hungry for more of that, like the deep stories of making incremental change in a very large system are sort of what I'm most interested in, I think, these days as a public servant, and uh, can't, I'm not getting a ton of that, you know, I think those are the conversations you have over the bar table, you know, maybe after the conference, but... Um, so there's some of that. And then just in terms of what I've been on the lookout for is just um, kind of I've been paying attention to the service design track and, and whatnot because I'm on a team for the, the government of Ontario that's rolling out a new service strategy for the whole of government, trying to bring more best practices around service design into you know, our standards, our metrics, our, our performance indicators, um, changing some of the culture you know, around that. And so just looking at what other governments have done to kind of move the needle on 
making, you know, kind of service design, end-to-end journeys, you know, all of those things kind of the norm in their organizations. And uh, I guess on one hand, you know, it, it, it's heartening. It's not like anyone is absolutely crushing this, you know, in, in the government space. And um, even the folks in the UK, who I think we often point to as being a little far ahead, are, you know, again, when you get to that bar table, are like, oh yeah, there's been some challenges, and it, it's this and that. And so it's been good to, you know, learn a little bit more about what other people are doing, kind of, you know, steal, rob, and duplicate language and, and, and tactics. And so that's kind of what I've been paying attention to here as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks so much. <laughs> so it's a wrap on day two of the last day of the Code for America Summit here in beautiful Washington, D.C., where I have been for the very first time a city full of history and governance and politics and uh, lots of amazing people from the civic technology and digital government world. If there's one theme that really has stood out for me all throughout the last two days, it's the power of people, whether we're talking about tech talent and labor or we're talking about the people who came from all over the country and beyond to be here together today, or we're talking about the people who spend uh, hours and hours, uh, you know, working in their communities using technology, data, and design to make things better. Um, you know, it's all about the people. None of this, despite it being about technology, can really happen without those people. I, for one, feel immensely lucky and grateful that I have been able to be here with these people. As I'm heading into my wind down for the evening, exhausted, inspired, fulfilled, all the good words after a conference, I have a lot of hope for the future of this movement. I've been working in and around the digital government and civic technology uh, community for almost 15 years. Uh, I've gone through my own sort of you know, peak uh, of inflated expectations, troughs of disillusionment, uh, you name it, you know, I've, I've gone through that full cycle. And I must admit, things like this summit help restore a lot of the excitement and energy and enthusiasm uh, that really brought me into this uh, work in the first place. And ultimately, of course, keeps me going even in the tough times. So that's one big theme as I close it out. Megan, welcome back to the virtual studio. So we just had a chance to listen to some of your reflections while you were at the Code for America Summit, some really interesting conversations with fellow participants who were there. Um, Big question, this was your first time going, would you go back to the Code for America Summit next year? Absolutely, without a doubt. I would love to go back, and not just because it's in California this time. I was going to say, next year it's in sunny California, so I I need to try come as well if I can. Exactly. It'd be nice to get some West Coast time, and actually that's the home town sort of home base of uh, Code for America. So I think there will be a really different sort of tenor and feel, right? Being in um, the heart slash, you know, sort of political capital of America versus being on the West Coast where uh, Code for America is from. But I, I would absolutely love to attend again and highly, highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in that sort of intersection, again, of civic technology, digital government, you know, innovation, um, and especially who wants to expand, you know, your network. I will say it was a lot of American from all over the country. So it's a really great sort of single spot to get exposure to folks working everywhere from Boston to Colorado to Seattle, uh, Texas, you know, everywhere in between. 
Right. No, a- absolutely. So, um, folks, if for anybody who is interested, keep keep your eye on the calendar for for next year's event coming up. Um, and Megan, throughout you know the episode today, you shared some of your own reflections while you were at the conference. I'm wondering, you know, you've been back now for a little while. I, I find with these things, they always take a little bit of of a, a little time to stew um, as some of these insights pop out. You know, as you kind of look back now on your couple of days in D.C. at the Code for America Summit. Any big takeaways that really have kind of stuck with you um, that that were impactful kind of walking away from your time down there? I was really reminded of the importance of people. And it's not just in the sense of connecting with community and being, you know, in conferences or being in relation with people. But, you know, a big theme throughout was recruitment, talent, burnout, you know, taking care of the human side of this. And it is easy sometimes to forget, you know, we get caught up in the technology and the shininess and um, all of that, that none of this happens without people. Um, And we really need to both take care of ourselves as well as our our colleagues and friends and others in this community. Um, And also welcome and make space for new folks and things like that. So was really reminded of that, uh, that importance of people, (laughs) you know, humans, the squishy, the software, the true software side, you know, of, of all of it. Um, I was also really, so I will admit when I went down, I had this sort of impression in my mind of, you know, the United States in general, whether you look at kind of federally or even at some of the states and city, that the movement, especially having been around for a little bit longer than in Canada, was way far ahead of us. And I know it's a little easy. Sometimes Canada, we have our kind of like, you know, humble, like (laughs) sort of, we look, you know, adoringly at other uh, countries like the United Kingdom or Australia or the United States. And I think I, I really left with a much more nuanced understanding that there are many ways that absolutely the United States is far ahead of us. And, you know, the just even looking at things like some of their um, digital talent programs, right? President and Presidential Innovation Fellows, mm-hmm. U.S. Digital Core, uh, you know, USDS, 18F, right? Like, they, it seems like they have this sort of plethora of, you know, really novel, innovative um, initiatives there. But the other kind of piece, I guess, the nuance that came out for me is that there's some areas where I feel like we might actually be pretty far ahead mm-hmm. of them. And there might be some more opportunities for mutual learning there. Um, you know, it was interesting, for example, to hear um, the sort of uh, reflections around the importance of getting the basics right, procurement, hiring, uh, you know, uh, access to tools, that type of thing. And, you know, while we're not perfect here in Canada by any means, I feel like we've made some very meaningful progress on um, all of those and, you know, more, even things like um, training through the Digital Academy and, you know, some of the agile procurement pilots and things like that. Um, the Indigenous Apprenticeship Program that um, Employment and Social Development Canada has, right? When I mentioned that to po- folks down there, they were like, we've never heard of anything like that yeah. here, you know? So it was actually a really nice reminder that um, for all of our sort of humility up here in Canada, we should also be taking some credit and sharing some of the, you know, know, the learnings and the the good work that we've done up here uh, as well. Um, so that was definitely like a, a pleasant surprise for me, actually, to be honest. Um, and then I think the last thing for me is definitely around the value of these types of spaces. Uh, I think having been through the pandemic and kind of in some ways maybe rationalized to myself, oh, you know, I don't need to meet with people in person. We can
can have virtual meetups. Like I love virtual. It adds so much, um, you know, accessibility and inclusion and allows more people to come together. But there is something about that unique energy. And I hope some of the clips you could hear and feel it, right? Because the the energy in the rooms was palpable. Uh, And I know I'm feeling very refreshed and recharged from that, Um, you know, learning about you know, everything from frontline, you know, worker uh, user research in Boston to, uh, you know, really, really important multi-jurisdiction work on, um, you know, nutritional benefits for mm-hmm. uh, pregnant people uh, was really inspiring, but it was, it was that people element again, I guess it all goes back to people, that energy that was in the room, that reminder that we're not alone, you know, that there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of folks in and outside of public services around the world trying to make things better. Uh, And for me, that that was really like the the biggest takeaway and something that I think will stick with me for a very long time. Hopefully it'll get me through to to the next summit, uh, you know, sometime in uh, 2024. Absolutely. No, but I think this has been a consistent theme that has come up actually in a lot of our podcast episodes is just the notion that people are the core of this, right? We think about digital government and digital transformation being about technology, but at the end of the day, it, it really is about people because these are organizations that are made up of human beings and, and having that human element core to that is, is so important, as you said, can be a very energizing and recharging moment around it. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan, thank you so much for being our correspondent down in Washington, D.C., and for for taking the reins on uh, being a special guest host of today's episode of Let's Think Digital. Mm -hmm. It was so my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity, and hopefully I'll see some of you at uh, next year's Code for America Summit. So that's today's episode of Let's Think Digital. Uh, This is actually the second episode that we've done on location. You can check out episode three, which was live from Dubai, where I was sharing some reflections from the World Government Summit. So what do you think about these live on location episodes? Should we do more of them in future seasons of the podcast? Let us know. You can email us at podcast at thinkdigital.ca or use the hashtag Let's Think Digital on social media. Uh, Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, be sure to give us a five-star review afterwards. And no matter where you're listening, please tell others about the podcast and let them know about some of the content that we're putting out through this series. Today's episode of Let's Think Digital was produced by myself, Wayne Chu, Mel Han, and Aislinn Bournet. And of course, our special guest host for today's episode was Megan Helstern. Thanks so much for listening, and let's keep thinking digitally. 